Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. on the 4th of July as the fireworks are going on behind me. Flying solo this week with Andre taking a couple days off. There's a lot to discuss, so let's just jump right into everything. First off, the quick recap from this past week's road trip. After the Marlins dropped the first two games against the St. Louis Cardinals 9-0 on Monday and 5-3 on Tuesday, they salvaged the series finale on Wednesday before heading to D.C. to sweep the Nationals in the four-game set, winning the first two games against the Nationals with relative ease before needing extra innings on both Sunday and Monday to close out the series. A few notables from the stretch, specifically the five-game win streak. How about three separate go-ahead, two-out, two-run home runs in the ninth inning or later? Avisel Garcia did it first in the finale against the Cardinals to back Sandy Alcantara's complete game on the mound. Jesus Sanchez then did it himself on Sunday in the top of the ninth inning against Washington. The Nats managed to rally in the bottom half of the inning of force extras, but the Marlins scored three runs in the top of the 10th to come away with the win. And then Brian De La Cruz did it in the 10th inning on Sunday series finale, hitting a Tanner-Rainey fastball just off the foul pole in left field to secure the sweep. When you add in Nick Fortes' home run against the Mets on June 26th, the Marlins became the first team in MLB history to hit four go-ahead home runs with two outs in the ninth inning or later in the span of just nine days. Then you have to also factor in the starting pitching. Alcantara's complete game against the Cardinals, of course, that's a highlight, and we'll talk about him more in a little bit. But Pablo Lopez on Sunday carried a no-hitter into the seventh inning, and Braxton Garrett allowed just one run over a career-high seven one-third innings on Monday against Washington. Then you look at Daniel Castano. He allowed just one earned run in five innings on Saturday against Washington. Pablo and Sandy, we're expecting less of the two of them. They're they're the two they're the top two of the staff. But when you look at the efforts that you're that the Marlins are getting from Daniel Castano and Braxton Garrett specifically, that's probably one of the key aspects of this rotation as the Marlins look to make this run ahead of the All Star break. The two of them are filling in the back end of the rotation that's been hit by injuries. Again, Jesus Lazardo has been out for a couple months now. Probably not going to see him until after the All Star break. Edward Cabrera just started throwing bullpen sessions again. He's probably not going to be back until the All-Star break. So with both of those guys out, the Marlins need Castano and Garrett, and of course Trevor Rogers, who finally had another solid outing, to keep contributing if Miami wants to stay in the playoff race. And finally, the Marlins got two key players back with the return of Brian Anderson and Joey Wendell. Both the two of them together, they unlock a, a lot of what the Marlins tried to do with how they constructed their lineup back in the offseason. Wendell being able to play third base, shortstop, and second base. Anderson being able to play third base and the corner outfields. It allows them to have a little bit of flexibility, give guys off days, move guys around the field. And when both of them were out for basically all of June, the Marlins were handcuffed. John Birdie basically had to play third base every day. Jazz Chisholm Jr. had to play second base every day. Miguel Rojas had to play shortstop basically every single day. All of those guys were pushed to potentially their brink. Jazz went on the IL with the back injury on Wednesday. So to have Wendell and Anderson both back, it gives the Marlins a lot of a lot of options and a lot of variety with what they can do with their lineup, similar to what we saw with them in April when they started the season off 12 and 8. How much that helps them is going to be key down the road. But first and foremost, going five and two on this trip. It puts the Marlins on the cusp of a 500 record again for the first time since early May. They're two under 500 at this point, and it keeps them in the playoff race. 
at worst, they're at this point, they're hovering between four games and five games out of the final wild card spot, which St. Louis Cardinals hold. Uh, you still have the San Francisco Giants, who are a couple games ahead of the Marlins, and the Philadelphia Phillies are still a couple games ahead of the Marlins. But the fact that they went five and two here, the fact that they're almost at 500, and they have about 25 games left before the August 2nd trade deadline, this is their time to make their push, make their run, and do what they need to do to put themselves in positions to be buyers if they want to be able to make that playoff push. And again, it's a finding ways to continue to build on the five game win streak. And that starts with winning games that should be won. That's what Miami did against the nationals, not just these four games, but all season they're 12 and one against Washington right now. They are going to have to do that with some of the other teams that they have over this next month long stretch. 12 of their 25 games before the deadline are against the Reds and the Pirates, two of the lower-ranking teams in the National League. They have to feast on those two. If they, they have to feast on those two teams, especially considering 10 of their other games in this stretch are against the New York Mets, seven of those, four in New York, three in Miami, and a three-game series with the Philadelphia Phillies. If they could find a way to tread water with those 10 and then do well against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, it gives the Marlins a chance. But before all those games, the Marlins have a marquee, albeit quick, series on its hands coming up over these next two days. Tuesday and Wednesday, Lone Depot Park. The Miami Marlins are hosting the Los Angeles Angels, facing them for the second time. They lost both games in Anaheim over that first week of the series. And I know what you're thinking, marquee matchup when you see these two teams' records. Both are sub-500. The Angels have have already, they already fired Joe Madden. They're... I believe going on an interim acting manager after all the suspension, everything that happened with that fracas with the Seattle Mariners, but ignore all that, ignore the team parts of it. I want to just focus on three names, Sandy Alcantara, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, arguably baseball's best, best pitcher of the season in Sandy Alcantara and two of the league's biggest stars on the field in Miami at Lone Depot park for the next two days. Alcantara starting on Tuesday opposite Noah Syndergaard and it's going to be Sandy's first time facing the Angels and his latest chance to extend this torrid run that has him not only as a, what feels like a virtual lock to be an all-star, but also it's giving him a serious case to be the National League starter for the Midsummer Classic. Alcantara enters that game leading Major League Baseball with 115 and one-third innings pitched and a 1.95 ERA that's the third best in baseball. But only two with better ERAs are the Dodgers' Tony Gonsolin and the Rays' Shane McClanahan, which, quick aside there, McClanahan and Alcantara, be pretty cool to see two the two Florida teams having the starting pitchers for the All-Star game. Definitely a possibility. I'm belching for it. We'll move on from that in a minute. Uh, back to Alcantara. Ten consecutive starts where he's pitched at least seven innings. Nine of those ten starts, he's given up no more than two earned runs. He has two complete games in that stretch. No other pitcher in baseball has multiple complete games. And for good measure, Alcantara also has another nine-inning performance in that span that he had against the Washington Nationals that the Marlins won via walk-off earlier, I believe about a month ago. And then you look at who they're facing. Shoei Otani, two-way star, international superstar, reigning ALV MVP. He's starting on the mound Wednesday, folks. If you're in Miami and you have a chance to see Shohei Otani pitching and hitting in the same game, get there. I'm unfortunately not going to be there. I am going to have to be watching it vicariously, watching it from a distance. 
Uh, long story short, Marlins, after that, those two games with the Angels, are going back on the road and going to New York. I'm already in D.C. Logistically, it just made sense for me to stay up here instead of the 30, instead of basically coming back to South Florida for 36 hours to fly back. So David Wilson and Greg Cody will have you covered from the Angel series down, down to Miami. I'll be picking things back up Thursday in New York. Uh, but again, Shohei Otani, what can we say about him? 2.68 ERA, 101 strikeouts over 74 innings, 18 home runs and 51 RBI at the plate. Again, the dude's just a phenom. It's incredible to watch him do it, how he does it, and just the consistency you're seeing from him, especially as of late. He's returning back to that all-star form, and not just because of the fact that he's doing the two-way thing. A two-way thing. He's actually he's producing and he's becoming and he's living up to that superstar status. And then you have Mike Trout, who only has 23 home runs, 47 RBI, and a near thousand OPS as he gets as he's about a week away from locking up his 10th all-star appearance. So again, big matchup, big names in this matchup over these next two days in Miami. Enjoy them, watch them. And if the Marlins are able to pull out a sweep here against the Angels. They'll be at 500 going up against the Mets. Very important timing-wise here. And to round up out the big league side of things, uh, second phase of all-star voting for starting position players begins Tuesday. And for the Marlins, that really involves just one name, Jazz Chisholm Jr. Second, It's him and Ozzie, versus Ozzie Albies head-to-head for the starting second base job it, for the National League for the all-star game. Uh, Jazz obviously going for not only – his first all-star appearance, but also the first all-star appearance by a Bahamian-born player in general. We've seen what Jazz has been able to do. He leads second baseman in OPS, uh, home runs, RBI. He's been one of the top second basemen in baseball. But it's also worth noting, both Jazz and Ozzy Albies are on the IL right now. Albies has a fractured foot. He's not expecting to be back until August at the earliest. Jazz went on the IL in St. Louis with a lower back strain. He's only on the 10-day IL. The earliest he'd be able to come off is the ninth Friday. But the Marlins, I don't think there's a need to rush it. Again, especially with a guy of this caliber getting to the status that he's getting to, you don't want a back injury, which is always a tricky injury, regardless of who it is, regardless of how healthy or fit or well-ready a player is backs are always a tough situation to deal with. I would not be surprised if jazz isn't back on the field until after the all-star break, he is rehabbing in Jupiter, but it's a matter of how the Marlins want to balance that. As for the voting itself it takes place on MLB.com. Uh, fans are able to vote once per day between Tuesday and Friday voting closed. I believe it's 2 PM Friday and the starters are going to be announced on ESPN at 7 p.m. Friday. The rest of the rosters are unveiled on Sunday. So this gives the Marlins a chance for, at a minimum, it looks like the Marlins have a good case for at least two All-Stars if Jazz does get voting because Sandy Alcantara is a lock. Pablo Lopez looked like he was trending toward that, except he had a June to forget. His June ERA was hovering in the fives. But who knows? There could be a case where both Pablo and Sandy are on the all-star roster, which would give, give the Marlins a chance for three. But I would think, obviously, at a minimum, it's Sandy. Jazz looks like he has his case if he gets voted in and if he's healthy enough to be able to participate in festivities in Los Angeles. 
And we'll break all of that down as well on next week's podcast once we have the full rosters on hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now to shift to the minor league side, uh, we went very hitter heavy on last week's episode. I realized that after the fact, and because of that, I want to give some of the pitchers inside the minor, the Marlins organization, some love here. Uh, we'll start with that by addressing the main two that we talk about basically every week. Max Meyer, he's looked to be back uh, after missing that month with the right ulnar nerve irritation. Uh, on Sunday, he threw six shutout innings, five strikeouts, no walks, just two hits, and only needed 61 pitches to throw those six innings for AAA Jacksonville. It was his first time going at least six innings since April, which is really good, especially when you consider what the pitch count was. He only needed 61. You can tell that they're still being cautious with the buildup, but the fact that he was able to get through six on only 61 pitches it's looking like it might be only a matter of time. And again, you only have about two or three more turns to the rotation before the all-star break. But once you get to the second half of July, once you get into August, depending on where this team is, heck, either way, whether they're buyers or sellers, Max Meyer looks like he can help his team in one way or the other. If they're sellers, they end up shipping guys off and they use the last two months to see what Max Meyer has. If Max Meyer continues on the pace that he was pre-injury and has more outings like he did on Sunday and the Marlins are in a playoff push, they very well could try to find a role for him on the big league club to help him make that push over the final two months. Uh, For some of the other guys, Yuri Perez, another very solid outing, one run allowed on four hits and three walks with eight Ks over five innings for double-A Pensacola on Thursday. His third consecutive start in which he went at least five innings and gave up no no more than two runs. And we've been saying it basically after every basically every week. After the those first three outings in double A, where it was 18-year-old jury going on 19-year-old jury facing guys two to three years above him. He finally settled in. He looks good. And I'm assuming we're going to be seeing him in LA in the futures game, which again, all that should be getting announced very soon as well. And as for some names that we haven't discussed as much this year, but deserve some recognition, I'm going to start with MD Johnson. He's the Marlins' number 28 overall prospect by MLB Pipeline, and he's been steady for high A Beloit. He was their six-round pick in 2019 out of Dallas Baptist, 2.92 ERA this year, 80 strikeouts against just 15 walks over 71 innings and 12 starts. But it's the last six starts, his second half of what he's done so far this season. 1.95 ERA, in a stretch thing in at least seven strikeouts in all six of those outings. 
three of those six outings, he's gone at least seven innings, given up no more than two runs, and works pretty well. Fastball sits 92 and 94, 92 and 94, touches 96. His slider is his best secondary pitch. He's developing a change of developing a curveball. And he's a guy who, again, he's pitches deep. He's showing durability. He looks like a guy who could be a potential number four, number five in a rotation. And it's building some solid depth in the Marlins lower in the lower levels of the Marlins system. Another guy in another couple guys who are in the lower levels. One, well, actually, one who just got moved up to Double A. Uh, Zach King and Dax Fulton. Uh, King, 2019 draft pick, out of Vanderbilt, teammate with JJ Blade during their during their College World Series run. He was just promoted to Double A Pensacola this week after a really good run in Beloit, 87 Ks over 65 innings, 277 ERA. Uh, we'll see what happens as he gets into facing the upper minors, but. Good for him to see him moving up. Dax Fulton was second a second-round pick in 2020, high school lefty out of Oklahoma. Again, remember, last year was his first year in about a year and a half of pitching after undergoing Tommy John as a high school during his high school senior year. He stayed healthy all last year, which was his main goal. This year, he's trying to find that consistency and taking that next step. He's still striking out a lot of guys, 84 Ks over 61 innings, but it's a 5-1-6 ERA over 13 starts. There are There is a lot to like with him. His fastball is good. His curveball is swing and miss. If he can just get that command under control and start limiting the hits that are coming against him, he could become a very good depth piece in there. Again, he's top 10 in their, farm, in their minor league system ranking. So there is still a lot of promise in there. He's young. He's only 20. He has a lot of potential in there. And I'm interested to see what happens as he builds on the second half of the season. And then last guy to mention on here, pitching wise, Brian Hoeing continues to hold his own after being moved up to triple a uh, knack for pitching deep in the games. He's gone at least six innings and in six of his 10 starts with the jumbo shrimp. And he's a guy who the Marlins really started realizing that they may have had something with him in the second half of the 2021 season. They, started seeing some more development with him, some more consistency out of him. And they're really starting to like what they're seeing from him as he gets, as he continues at staying his inconsistency in AAA. And again, it's a matter of finding that depth that they need, especially when you look at where the Marlins are in the big leagues right now, where again, all of their main guys are essentially all their main guys who are healthy are up with the big league club right now. And it's a matter of who it could be that emergency guy, those emergency two guys who could come up to make, whether it's make spot starts or end up having to hold down the spot. If things happen, they found diamonds in the rough before Zach Thompson last year, Cody Poteet last year. Uh, and now they're potentially have those type of guys in the Brian home. And it just is a fortunate situation for the Marlins to be in, especially as they continue with some, with the injuries and to just quickly round out the updates. Jesus Lazardo and Edward Cabrera started throwing bullpen sessions. Sixto Sanchez threw a second bullpen session on Wednesday. And I'm assuming he's going to be throwing another one at some point this week. And we'll see what happens from there. Cody Poti began a rehab assignment with single A Jupiter on Monday. Jordan Holloway is finally off the minor league IL and he's back with triple A Jacksonville. So Marlins are starting to get healthy on the pitching front, which is ideal, especially now that they're 
lineup is starting to get healthy as well. So if everything can start rounding in the form, they can start getting as close to full strength as they've been for the first time in a while while they have to make this playoff put while they make this push to stay in the playoff hunt, I should say the timing is probably as good as it's been and as good as it could be, whether that all plays out, we'll find out. Uh, And with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of fish bites. Thanks so much for listening in. Uh, We'll be back again next week to recap what happened with the Marlins two series with the angels and the Mets and basically give one final one one of our final two progress reports before the all-star break. Thanks so much, everyone.